0: No purchase necessary. Void we're prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Well, if you have your Bibles, I hope that you do. I hope you'll turn with me to the Gospel of Mark. Mark chapter 4. This morning, Mark chapter 4, and we'll start in verse 1 in just a moment. The title of my message today is Listen to Your Heart. I don't know if you remember that old 80s song, Listen to Your Heart. Um, This morning, um, the title of my sermon is Listen to Your Heart, and I'll explain that a little bit later. Um, But it's important for us to evaluate our own hearts individually, right? Um, Every one of you, um, God has granted um, you a a soul, a heart, and you must decide, every one of you, for yourselves on what you will do with the truth that you've received in your heart, whether you will accept it or whether you will reject it, Um, but you, every one of you must Listen to your own heart. And how have you received that truth? Uh, It it doesn't matter what your mom or dad has done. We talked about that last week. Or your great-grandparents or maybe a friend or maybe a classmate. You individually must listen to your heart. And you must decide on what you will do with this truth. You know, it's um, growing up and and, um, in my life and um, growing with children... You know, you pass down different things, you know, to your children. Um, There's different things, uh, maybe mannerisms that you have that your children have, or maybe um, there's different things, uh, eye color or hair color, different things you pass down to your children. But sometimes it's traits, you know, attitudes. And um, one um, thing that I I think was passed down to me a little bit was a little thing that we like to call being a little stubborn, all right? I don't know if any of y'all have received that trait, maybe from a family member. Or, or we have another term for it called hard-headed, right? And what does that term mean? It means that you, you tell them something, right? And you may have instructed them, you may guide them, you may give clear explanation of why you should not do that, and they're a little hard-headed that they just don't want to listen to what you say, and they're going to do what they want to do no matter what you say. Amen. I that's what being stubborn or hard-headed means, right? And I was granted a little bit of that in my life, and so we're. My siblings, and I remember when we were little, we were at, in our home, and, and me and my sister, um, Judith, um, were together, and we were playing in the living room, and we were messing with the electrical sockets in the in the living room, and mom and dad, or mama said, Jon- Jonathan, Judith, you need to stay away from their electrical sockets. Well, again, we were granted the trait of being a little hard-headed from some of our previous fa- family members, and we didn't listen. And I was with my sister. Now, she did it. I don't know if I told her to do it because I didn't have the guts to do it, right? But regardless, we were together, and we were conspiring together, not listening to mama. And she took a, a, a bobby pin and stuck it in the electric socket. Well, you know what happened. The lights went out. <laughs> they didn't go out in Georgia. They went out in North Carolina in my home that day. And it shocked her and burned her hand. She dropped the bobby pin and burned her little, um, I think it was strawberry shortcake pillowcase. Anyway, um, and burnt that, turned off the lights, mama screamed and fussed, and what did she say? I told you so. I told you not to do it, and we didn't listen. Now, how many times in my life I have somehow um, had the ability to pass that trait to my beautiful young girls? And I remember when they were younger, they would be in the house and they'd be doing something. And I would have, we have a lazy boy recliner in my house. I have a lazy boy. We've had it for a very long time and it's very special to my heart. And I'd be laid up in that recliner, you know, propped up my feet. And I would tell Chloe and Caroline, don't do this. Don't do that. I'd tell them once they didn't listen. I'd tell them again they wouldn't listen. I tell them a third time they wouldn't listen. But somehow, if I took the handle of that lazy boy and I popped it up coming, somehow their hearing came too. And they listened to everything I said after that point, right? And that's being a little hard-headed. So some, all, of, all of us have that, right? But you know the frustration as a parent... Or as a a loved one, when you tell somebody, you're warning them that danger's ahead. And you're warning them not to do something. And they do it. You are frustrated because you knew, right? You saw the danger that was ahead of them. You possessed the truth that would protect them. But they would not listen. And therefore, your heart breaks when you see them burned, right? When you see them hurt, Your heart breaks when you see them going the wrong way. When you share with them truth and you wonder, I know I shared it. I know I shared it with truth. I shared it with passion. Why did they not receive it? And our heart breaks for that. And I tell you, as a pastor, I shared with the the first service, my heart breaks many times because I'm afraid. I'm afraid of so many times of church members Who've been in my congregation, who've been under my ministry for years. I've been the pastor of this church just this week, three years. And I'm so afraid that churches, people I've shepherded here and people I've shepherded at other churches and have been there for years and heard my sermons Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, those who've watched my services Sunday after Sunday after Sunday, and they've heard the word of God. They've heard truth, but they don't listen. And as a result, they're they're in danger. It breaks my heart to think, Lord, I did everything I could to give them truth. And you know, you ever felt that way with your children when they're not listening, especially when it comes to spiritual things? You just want to shake them and say, listen, just listen. Why? Because you don't want to see them hurt. You want to see them grow in the Lord, right? But as much as that may... Frustrate me, hurt me, burden me, let's say it that way. Break my heart. Can you imagine Jesus? Who left heaven, the throne of heaven, and came and dwelt among us. To be the incarnate truth. To who lived and died on a cross for your and our sins. And whose gospel, who gave us his word as an account of his love for you. And as a testimony of his life on this earth. To think about how many people have heard that truth about Him who know it, possess it, hold it, and reject it. Oh, how my heart breaks, but oh, how the heart of God must break for those who hear but don't receive. You know, as we come to that, it is that thought. It is for me, when my mom told me um, not to play with the sockets. When I tell my children or when I instruct church members, I can tell them truth, but they must decide for themselves and their heart what they're going to do with that truth. You can't, as I said from the very beginning, you can't say, well, my mama or my dad did this or my sister or my brother or my friend. We must decide for ourselves what we're going to do and where our heart is. And this morning, this is the imagery of this passage of scripture He's giving a parable. It's about a sower and a seed. But this, the soil here is the heart of an individual. And he gives, two, he gives a parable of four different hearts, if you will, and how they receive the gospel and what they do with it. So I pray this morning, listen to me today. I pray this morning that you'll listen to your heart. And you'll listen to your heart to see where are you... And how have you received the gospel? Will you pray with me before we read God's word together? Father, I thank you, Lord, for today. Lord, wow, what an important passage of scripture that we must all grow in and understand. So, Lord, I pray today that your word would speak clearly to our hearts. And Lord, we evaluate where we are with you today. Lord, I pray there would be such a movement of Holy Spirit today that it would feel like today as you're speaking that nobody else is in the room, that, Lord, you're speaking right to these that are here. And, Lord, we'd listen to, Lord, what you're speaking to our hearts. And we wouldn't be numb or hard or divided. But, Lord, I pray our heart would receive your truth and hear and listen and obey you, Lord. Lord, today I feel the burden of handling your word and rightly doing so. So, Lord, I pray that I would be careful to rightly divide your word. And, Lord, today they would not hear my word, so they hear yours. Speak through me, Father. I need you. I'm a broken vessel, but, Lord, I pray you'd use this broken vessel, Lord, to pour out your spirit and your word to your people today. So, Lord, use your word in us today. In your name we pray. Amen. Will you stand with me and let's read God's word together. It's, it's Mark chapter 4, starting at verse 1. And again, he began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him, so that he got into the boat and sat on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside um, the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables. And, and in his teaching, he said to them, Listen, the sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some fell on the, along the path and the birds came and devoured it other seeds fell on the rocky ground where it did not have much soil and immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil and when the sun rose it was scorched and since it had no roots it withered away and the other seeds fell among thorns and the thorns grew up and choked it and it yielded no grain and the other seed fell into into good soil and produced grain Growing up and increasing and yielding thirty and sixty fold and a hundred fold. And he said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked about the parables. And he said to him, To you who has been given the secrets of the kingdom of God, but to those who are outside everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see, but not perceive, and may indeed hear. But not understand. Least they should turn and be forgiven. And he said to them. Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all parables? The sower sows the word. And these are the ones along the path. Where the word is sown. And when they, and when they hear. Satan immediately comes and takes away the word. That is sown in them. And these are the ones that are sown on rocky ground. The ones who when they hear the word. Immediately receive it with joy. And when they have no root in themselves but endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arise on the count of the word. immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word. But the cares of the world and deceitfulness of riches. And desires for other things enter in and choke the word. It proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on the good soil. Are the ones who hear the word. Accept it. And bear fruit. Thirty and sixty. And a hundredfold, you may be seated. You come to this passage of scripture. I think it's really important as we come right to verse one, just to understand. The Bible it says he began to teach beside the sea. Now, as we've walked through the the uh, our book study of the uh, of Mark, we have seen Jesus. Fame increasing. At every healing, the car, crowd gets loud, uh, larger. At Simon Peter's home, after he healed his mother, um, and after he, he cast out the demon in the synagogue there, um, there was a great crowd that gathered outside of Peter's home. And then from that point on, after he healed the leper, he had he, the crowd got bigger. After he, he um, received the tax collector, um, Levi, the crowd got bigger. We even see a point where just a few weeks ago, that Jesus is in his home eating, and the crowd gathers so much that he can't even Eat, enjoy a meal. Everywhere he goes, a crowd gathers. There was a point that the Bible says that Jesus went out to the sea and he commanded disciples to get a boat because if not, the, 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 the crowd was so large they were going to crush him. Here we see Jesus go out, and I believe as you come to this passage of Scripture, this is intentional. Jesus is going out to the sea because he longs to speak truth to um, those who are gathered. So he comes out to the sea because that would be the largest area where a greatest amount of crowd could come. And we believe as we come to chapter 4 of Mark, this is the biggest crowd that Jesus has spoken to. So he's so large that Jesus gets on a boat and goes out in the sea a little bit so he can see everyone on the sea. And he's speaking to a great, large, probably thousands, um, several thousands of people that gathered here by the sea to hear Jesus preach. And Jesus tells a parable here. Now, I want you to imagine, I'm just with me just a minute, in that group of a thousand people, they're different demographics. There are different people that are there. There are those who are there who are religious, the religious leaders, right? theirs are the Pharisees who came from Jerusalem and Caper- Capernaum and scribes. These are people who have had possession of God's word. They have had the law. They have their whole life. They've studied it. They know the messianic prophecies that are in scripture. They've studied that. They're looking for the Messiah, but Jesus does not meet their expectations. Jesus doesn't line up with what they want. They don't think Jesus is the one who says he's can forgive sins. Jesus is the one that hanging out with tax collectors. Jesus is the one that touched the leper, the unclean. Jesus is the one who um, allows his disciples to pluck um, corns of grain or, or wheat grain on the Sabbath. Jesus is the one who's healed on the Sabbath. He does not fit their, their expectations. And so therefore, although they've heard the word of God and they possess it, although they've heard him preach, although they've seen the power of him who've done miracles before their eyes, they reject his gospel. But they're there. They're there to hear. And once again, Jesus speaks to them. They're represented in this group. Only those are there, but there's also there. It's got to be those who have um, done miracles. That Jesus has done miracles too. There are probably those who Jesus had healed. Maybe at Peter's outside of Peter's home. Maybe there the man who was um, a leper was there. Maybe the man who was um, blind and lame and demon possessed was there. All the ones that maybe Jesus had touched were there. They're there to hear His word. Maybe there are those who have been healed, but there are those who come that want to be healed. All of them are gathered there. Also there in that group of a thousand people, there are the twelve disciples. These are the ones who left their nets and left their careers to be with Jesus. This is the tax collector Levi, who has been a, a crook his whole life. And he's left the money and the power and the things of this world to follow Jesus. They are the twelve that just in the passage before, Jesus says, "Who was my mother and my brother and my sister? And he looks to the twelve disciples and says, this is my spiritual family. This is the family of God. These are my true disciples. And all those are different places of faith or different places searching for God. Let's not say faith, searching for God are all there. And Jesus speaks to them all. Now, you think about that for just a minute. You and I um, have never seen miracles. You and I have never seen someone touch someone and cast out a demon. Um, we've not seen someone touch someone and, and they'll be healed of, uh, of a disease. or We've not seen that. These who are there, who are listening to Jesus spoke, they had seen it with their own eyes. They saw the power of God. Not only had they seen it, but again, I remind you, as he's speaking not only did they have seen it, but they heard the power of God's word through him. This You're getting today, you're getting my interpretation and my uh, exegesis of this passage, what I believe is the word of God. But can you imagine when Jesus spoke, he spoke directly the word of God. They didn't hear it, on, if you want to say, secondhand, They heard God's word directly in this passage of scripture. And the Bible says, but not all of them believed. Thousands of people are there that day. After Jesus died and rose again and the church was started, how many believers were there in the church in Jerusalem? 120. You mean thousands upon thousands of people who heard Jesus, had seen his power, seen his miracles, and only 120 believed? So why? Why is it that God, Jesus that day, cast the seed of the gospel to the hearts of so many people, but only a small amount believed? Well, Jesus shares why that happens through telling the parable of the sower. Look at the passage of Scripture with me. The Bible says he began to teach and he he gives a parable of um, a sower and a seed. Now, the sower here is who? The sower here is Jesus. Jesus is the one who's casting out the seed, right? What is the seed? Well, the seed is the Word of God. We see that um, in verse 14. The sower sows what? The Word so I remember when I was a little boy. Um, I'm not. Uh, I've been around farming. I've not farmed a whole lot. So let me declare that today. I know there's probably those who are watching, and you're you've been a part of farming, and so i probably say something that's not right. Just forgive me. I have very little experience. But I do remember when I was a little boy, my dad, we had a little garden that he would till beside our house, and he would plant the seed um, there. Also, remember, there's times where we'd have bare spots in our yard, and he would need to um, plant some more grass or grass to grow up, and he would get a spreader. So he had this little thing, a little spreader, and he put seed in the spreader, and he would walk across the yard, and it would take that seed and cast it out all through the yard, which biblically times, you didn't have a little broadcaster like that you would have a pouch and you would have the seed in your pouch and as you'd walk down the field you would cast it out well, imagine some seed would fall on good soil and some seed would fall on other soil. Jesus is saying here, I'm the sower, right? I'm the one that's here and I'm casting out the seed. I'm casting out the word of God. Who's it casting out to? There's thousands of people there. that are listening. Just as today, I'm a sower of the word of God. Today, I'm sharing the word of God to you. All of you are here, are watch, um, here in, in person, those who are watching online, and each one of you are um, receiving that word and each one of your souls. Each one of your heart chooses to what you're going to do with that truth that you receive today. Jesus says he was the sower and he's casting out seeds, and there's different soils here that receive the word differently. What are the souls here? The soils are the heart. And how the heart receives the truth of the gospel. So I want you to walk through with me the different soils here. And I want you to understand as we come to this. These parables of these different souls or these different hearts. Not only do you see the different hearts, but in every instance, there's something that tries to destroy the seed. There's an adversary, there's an enemy, there's something that comes and tries to snatch away the truth of the gospel. Can I tell you, as I've said to you many times in here, there is a real enemy And there is a real Satan and there are real evil powers out there. And there is a real enemy that wants to destroy the seed of the gospel that you're hearing today. So recognize that. That is real. I want you to see um, here in this passage of scripture the different soils and the different um, enemy um, adversary that seeks to take away the seed. The first soil that we see here is the hard heart. It's the hard soil. Look at um, verse 3. Listen, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. In Tanzania, we um, go and visit several years. I've been on a mission trip there to Tanzania, and and we go out to villages where um, they do all the farming, and you'll see um, just, uh, just, I guess, field after field of different crops. Um, And it's not like here in America, where you have different roads and dirt roads and, um, and, and all that. It's, you don't have any of that. You have um, fields, and in the middle of a field, right around there is a house. And then you'll go a little ways, and there's a bunch of fields, and then there's another house. And, and so as a result, between, because houses are in between the different uh, people's farms and different fields, in between, just in the middle of a cornfield, you'll see a little hard path. And it's a path that people walk from house to house um, to the village or get out of their home to, to get to the village. And they're just small little they're just small like two feet paths um, that are that are that they commonly walk past two different houses or paths to the road. But as you go to these paths, because that's the same path they take every time, several things that you see about that path, there's nothing that grows there because it's always trodden down. It's bare dirt. But not only is it bare dirt, that nothing grows there. Secondly, it's hard because it's always padded down. It's always hit with a foot day after day after day. One, there's nothing grows there. Secondly, it is hard. It is um, just hard, dry dirt. The imagery of this passage of Scripture, Jesus is casting seed, right? And some seed falls on the good soil, some falls in the path. And when it hits that path, nothing's there. There's nothing... It's hard. There's nothing grows there. And because it's hard, what? It's easy for the birds to snatch away. The imagery there is a hard heart. A heart that's constantly been beat down. Constantly has been worn down. And does not receive the word. What is the enemy there? Well, Jesus tells us, and his explanation is a parable. If you walk down with me to verse 14, it says, The sower sows the word... And these, these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. And when they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. Who's the adversary there? It's Satan. He, he's the one that snatches the seed. The seed hits the hard heart and it doesn't penetrate it. It's hard. It's worn down. Don't you see the other soil here? The second soil, as we come to this passage of Scripture, the Bible says in verse 5, And the other sea fell on the rocky ground, where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up, and since it had no depth of soil. The next soil is the rocky soil, if the Scripture describes it, we describe it as the shallow heart. In Palestinian areas, they would have areas that um, there would be um, some soil, but it would be two to four inches deep. But below that was limestone. And as a result, the, the, it, the seed may hit the dirt and may start rooting. But because the limestone is only three or four inches down, it cannot um, develop solid roots. And as a result, it does not stand. It's shallow. shallow roots. Um, and he says some fall on that ground and it... It digs in, it grows, it springs up, but it doesn't last. Why? Because its roots are shallow. Two problems with this soil or this heart: the roots are so shallow it cannot grow deeper than the rock. There's no moisture. It has no deep roots. It cannot survive the storm. I have this year. I've had. I've done something. I feel like I've. Um, my grandfather was. Uh, also, not my dad did that, but my grandpa every year planted a big garden behind his shop, and I have a lot of memories of picking black-eyed peas and green beans and corn, and um, and then shelling all that butter beans all through the summer. Some of y'all remember those days where they bring big 5 buckets, and you'd have to shell all those beans, and we had to do that growing up. I've had fond memories of him doing that, um, and this year I've got me a little garden, and I got me a little raised planter bed behind the house and I've got me some cucumbers and cantaloupe and some tomato plants and um, squash and I've got the most beautiful garden you'll ever see but I have no fruit and no vegetables I've grown one squash at this point one zucchini and one cucumber that's about in three months uh, that's all I have but it's beautiful if you look at it it looks really good and so I really like fresh-grown tomatoes, and so that was really my heart. Is, it's like, I need to grow me some fresh-grown tomatoes because I love me a good tomato sandwich, amen? Duke's mayonnaise and salt and pepper. And so um, I shouldn't do that to you. You'll get hungry. But anyway, so I got me these nice tomato plants. and. Man, I was babying them. I, every day I'd go out and water them. I'd look at them. I'd make sure there's nothing growing on them, no worms or anything. I'd put the spray on them so no bugs would eat my leaves. And I'd go out there and talk to them because you've got to talk to them, I hear, to help them grow. So I'd go out there and we would, we'd have conversations and, and we were saying, you know, you, come on, let's go. We've got to get some good tomatoes. And one day I walked out and I'd have you know, I got two tomato plants. That's all I got. So this is important. And one of my tomato plants, it was laid over. I mean, it was gone. It broke, and and my heart kind of broke. I cried a little bit. Walked around and because um, I only got one left now, right? And so, but I tell you all that because the imagery of this passage of scripture is I, what, what happened to the tomato plant. I don't know. I imagine that a storm come or one of the storms that came by, um, something happened and it and it broke. And that's the imagery of this passage of scripture. Uh, the shallow heart it springs up, it grows. But what destroys it? A storm or tribulation that comes. Look at what is the enemy here. Um, the enemy is that the decision of the shallow heart is an emotional decision. It's founded in emotional flesh. It, it's founded in emotional response. And that's because it's an emotional decision that's not based upon faith and true faith. When true storms come, it doesn't last. And that's the imagery Jesus says in the passage of Scripture the Bible says um, in verse 15, and these are the ones that are sown along the path. And the word is sown, and when they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. But here's the, the, um, Jesus' explanation of the, the rocky soul or the shallow heart. And these are the ones that are sown on rocky ground. The ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy, and have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then, listen to this. When tribulation or persecution arise on account of the word, immediately they fall away. There are those hearts that were there when Jesus was speaking. And you can imagine, maybe they were one of the ones that Jesus had healed. And when Jesus touched them and they were changed, they probably, tears welled up in their eyes. Oh Jesus, thank you, thank you Jesus. I love you Jesus. I'll live my whole life for you. And just as Jesus healed the ten lepers and ten left, rejoicing, but only one came back. There are those who respond with the emotion of Jesus, I want you, I need you. But when cancer comes, and heart disease comes, when loved ones die, when we get laid off, we lose our jobs, when our finances fail, when something happens in the church and I've seen that. They can't make it through the storms. Why? Because their, their decision is based upon emotion. They're not founded in the Lord. And they are a shallow heart. I've seen this time and time again in church. I think the most vivid imagery that I've seen is teenagers. Every year I've been to youth camp, probably except this year, since I've been in ministry every summer, when I was a youth pastor and also when I was a pastor and I've seen teenager after teenager after teenager who have wept at a youth camp, cried, I need the Lord. Say, I, I need the Lord and be on fire for the Lord. Come home in about a month or two, they'll be on fire and then you won't see them again. There is a hard heart. There's a shallow heart. The next there is a divided heart. The Bible says in this passage of Scripture, let's look at the third one here. In verse 6, and when the sun rose, it scorched, and since it had no root, um, the sun rose and it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Verse 7 is the other soil, and the other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. The other soil here is a, um, the sort that fell among thorns. The idea of thorns here is actually weeds. In Palestine, they would have weeds that would grow up to six feet tall. Um, They would actually bud flowers of various kinds. The problem is with weeds, like I said, I have a low planter um, garden, garden my tomato plants, and what would grow up around those tomato plants is other plants are just grass, it's just weeds. But And I'm constantly plucking them out of the garden, getting them out. Why? Why is that? Because if I leave them there and I let them grow, they will take the water that I want for the tomato plant. They'll take it away for themselves. And therefore, the, the other plants will die of malnutrition because they have taken it all, right? And that's what happens with this seed. This is a seed of the Word of God that is planted in the heart of something, but that something is competing with something else. I used this imagery on Sunday, um, this morning, in our first service. This is a heart that says, you know what, I want God's word, but I also want the world. I, I want to live for the Lord, but I want the things of this world. And I want both. I want, I want my cake and I want to eat it too. I want to go to church, but I want to live like the world throughout the week. But I, but I love the Lord and I want the Lord, but I really want the things of this life too. Listen to this this morning. The imagery of this passage is... The, the Word of God cannot last. If you have a competed or a divided heart where you're, you're, the Word of God is always competing against the things of this world, the things of this world will suck the Word of God dry. It will suck the truth out. That's the imagery of this passage of Scripture. You cannot be a divided heart. Listen to what the Bible says, Jesus' explanation of that. And the ones in verse 18, and the ones that are sown among the thorns, they are those who hear the word of God. But the cares of the world and deceitfulness of riches and desire for other things in it choke the word and it proves unfaithful. That's what happens in our world, right? We live in a world, and you hear the Word of God. You hear this truth on Sunday morning that at 11 o'clock, you come, and then you leave here, and then what do you do? You go right at home, and the first thing you do, you hear something on TV. You get an Instagram post, or you get a Facebook post, and you read that, and then something else constantly pulls your attention away from what you've heard today to something else in the world, and you continually battle. You have pressures from work. You have pressures, finances. You have pressures from peers. You have pressures from neighbors, and you constantly are being pulled, and In a hundred different directions. But you have the word of God calling you to follow him. But you have the world who is calling you to follow them too as well. And if there is one who hears the word of God. And has a heart that is divided. The word. This world will always seek to pull you away. You feel like at times I don't have time for the word. Because I've got so many responsibilities. And things I need to do in this world. There is a divided heart here. Lastly, it's the fruitful heart. The Bible says in verse 8 and the other seed fell on good soil and produced and growing up and increasing and yielding 30, 60, and 100 fold. There is one seed here that is the fruitful seed, and that is the seed that falls on good soil. The soil, the heart, Think of the imagery of the heart, receives the truth, it yields to the truth, and as a result, grows in that truth, and as a result, that heart, that life, produces fruit. What's the fruits of the Holy Spirit? Love, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. probably missed some. Forgive me. produces fruit. Jesus even will talk about this in his explanation. But those, verse 20, but those that were sown on good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit. 30, 60, and 100 fold. These are the ones that hear the word of God and receive it, accept it, grow in it. As you come to this passage of scripture, as I finish up this morning, I want you to understand, there's only one soil that produces fruit. There's only one heart that produces fruit. Jesus talked among the thousands of people that day. There were only one group, a group of those disciples and maybe a few others, that were the good soil, that was the good heart, that accepted God, accepted his word, and were bearing much fruit. Sad thing is today, as you're watching today, as you're hearing me today, every one of you today represents a different heart. And every one of you have received God's word in a different way. I pray today you are a fruitful heart. There's a set to the word of God and bearing fruit. But that's not up to, for me to decide. That's up to you to listen to your heart and say, where am I? Today, where am I? I want to show you something as we finish up today, because I think it's really important. I kind of skipped a few verses in the midst of this passage of Scripture, and it's verses 10 and 11. So I want you to imagine something here for me as we finish up. Jesus speaks to thousands thousand people, all right? this parable of the sower. And he tells them this parable. He doesn't explain it to the thousands. I want you to understand that. Verse 10, it says, at a later time, the disciples pull him aside and said, okay, what's up with parables? And Jesus explains to them, and that's what he explains to them in verses 10 and 11. And then the explanation of the parable is what he's told to the disciples. So let's listen to what Jesus says about these parables. Listen to what Jesus says in verse 10. And when he was alone, those who were around him with the twelve asked about him, about the parables. And he said to them, to you has been given the, key, the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for those outside, everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see but not perceive, and they and may indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. So they come to Jesus and said, What's up? What's up with these parables? What What was up with that parable? Parable that word for parable means to come alongside. It means that you give a truth, but you give a A parable or story to come alongside that truth, right? That's what the the word parable means. Jesus says to them, To you, and he's talking to those good soil, those fruitful hearts, those disciples who he described in the earlier passage are part of the family of God. Listen to what he says To you has been given the secrets of the kingdom of God, you've been granted. The understanding, the ability to understand the things of the Word of God. You've been given that. So you give the understanding that there were those who... There there were those who... in that thousand people there's who, who received it and understood it. And those who did not understand it. John MacArthur used the idea... Um, and I, I'll quote him who says... Parables are designed to reveal or conceal. He says to you, disciples... It's been revealed to you. But for others it's concealed. They don't understand it. And he furthermore, he quoted Isaiah, Isaiah six, to give an illustration of that. Look at Isaiah six and verse twelve. That they may indeed, those who are outside, right, who are unbelievers at that point, everything is in parable, so that they may indeed see, but not perceive. That they may hear but not understand; that they may hear it but not understand it; they may see it but not really perceive it. But you, you've been given kingdom of the, the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. You get this idea that that the Pharisees that were there. And there's thousands of people who are there. They've heard and they've heard and they've heard. But their opportunity to receive that seed is slowly, slowly fading away. They become so hard that they lose it. When I was in high school... I took, um, had to take foreign languages to graduate. And so um, everybody was taking Spanish. That was a cool thing. I wanted to be a little different. And I thought it was cool, you know. I took French. I think I know two words today bonjour and fromage. I think fromage means cheese. I don't know why it's the only one I remember. But took two years of it in high school. I think I took two years of it in college. And that's all I got. It's great, isn't it? You know, really benefit me a lot. The sad thing is, is it's not that I didn't have the chance to really understand it, right? I had two years of it in high school. It's not like they didn't teach it; they taught it. No, they didn't teach it in college; they taught it, right? But it's one of those things. Although that I've heard the, tr- I've heard that, I've heard the, all the instructions. I took all the classes. I passed all the papers and tests and things. I had possession of it. If I because I didn't use it, I've lost it. That's the imagery of this passage of Scripture. You kind of come to this passage of Scripture and you're saying to me, well then, Pastor, are you saying that Jesus is saying at this point that they've become so hard to the gospel, they're coming to a place that they may not ever receive the gospel again? That sounds hard, Pastor. Why, Why would the Lord say that? The truth is, they've had opportunity to hear, haven't they? When Jesus first showed up in Capernaum, they heard the truth and they were amazed and awed by the truth of his word. They saw, not only heard the word of God, they had possession of the law, and they had saw the prophecies of the Messiah. Not only did they have seen it, they have heard it, they have possessed it, they have seen the power of Jesus displayed before their eyes, and how he has miraculously changed the lives of the lame people. But he's they have seen how God Jesus has miraculously changed the life of Levi. They have seen the power of God. They have possessed it. but Now they have become numb to it. They've become so hard that they've resisted now when God speaks, they don't hear it. I told this story in our first service. and I may have even told this story before to you that when we were at our first church in South Carolina, they had chimes and we lived in the Parsons beside the church and the chimes went off every hour Bless my heart. And it would chime. a chime for every hour of whatever time of day. At 12 o'clock, it played two songs. Amazing Grace, In the Garden, whatever it was that day. It changed every day. And then at 9 o'clock every night, we had the last chimes, and it played taps. No kidding. And have two labs, and my labs would sing to them. One sang bass and one sang tenor. I'm not joking. When I first came to that church... Every every time it would go off, I would stop because it was so loud, you know, like, like, you know, when they're going off and we would hear it constantly. But after about a few weeks, it would go and I never would hear it. It could go off all through the day and I'd become so numb to it. I would not even know it was going. That's the imagery of this passage of scripture. That Jesus continues to cast the seed. And there are some that will hear and become so hard they'll get to a place they not hear it anymore. That's why I'll close with this passage of Scripture. I think one of the most biggest parts of this passage of Scripture is verse 9 where he says He who has ears to hear let him My biggest fear is today is that God's spoken to one of you. And you felt like at some point in this sermon that God is speaking right to your heart like nobody else is in the room. And God is planted the gospel in your heart. He's speaking truth to you. My biggest fear today is you'll say no, not today. Maybe next week. Maybe next month, but I'm not ready. And then the next time you'll say no again. In no time where you say no after no after no, there'll be a time where you won't hear Him. Can I say today, if the Lord is speaking to your heart today, listen. It's a blessing to be able to hear the Word of God. So as He speaks, as He speaks to your heart, receive it. Don't don't receive it out of emotion. Don't be hard. Don't be divided. Say, Lord, I want you and I want you alone today. Nothing else, God. I want all of you. And I'll give you all of me. Will you pray with me? Lord, I love you. I thank you for today. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Lord, I pray that today as you've spoken to us, Lord, we'd not put you say no to you or push you away. But God, we would receive, Lord, your 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 gospel, your truth for us. Respond in obedience and repentance, Lord, or whatever it may be. I pray there's some here today and, Lord, they're not right with you and whatever it may be. Lord, I pray that would respond to you, Father. Lord, those who have ears to hear today and they hear the Spirit speaking to them, Lord, may they hear you, Father. And respond. In your name we pray. Amen.